0: You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news and Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. John DeYard, and welcome to LifeSpa.com, where we prove ancient medical wisdom with modern science. And today, I am super excited to talk to and interview Dr. Christiane Northrup, one of the leaders in women's health and medicine uh, today. And I'm so excited to talk to her. But let me tell you a little bit about her and a little bit of what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, Dr. Christiane Northrup is truly a visionary pioneer in and a leader, <clears throat> a leading authority in the field of women's health and wellness. I'm sure you've all heard of her, which includes the unity of mind, body, and emotions and spirit internationally known for empowering approach to women's health and wellness. Dr. Northrup teaches women how to thrive at every stage of life. She didn't mention how many best-selling books she has, but she has a ton of them. She's just amazing. She's a board-certified OBGYN. gyn Dr. Northup graduated from Dartmouth Medical School and completed her residency at Tufts New England Medical Center at Boston. She's the assistant uh, uh, clinical professor of OBGYN at the Maine Medical Center for 20 years. <clears throat> she has a new book coming out and uh, you can order it now. And when you get her, her new book called Dodging Energy Vampires, when you get that book, you also get, a, uh, you get access to her free class, and you can get her book and learn more about the free class on how to dodge energy vampires on our website at drnorthrup.com. Let me tell you a little bit about the book. <clears throat> now, this is what we're going to talk about today. Dodging Energy Vampires, Dr. Northrop, draws on the latest research in this exciting new field along with stories from her global community and her own life to explore the phenomena of energy vampires and show us how, We can spot them, dodge their tactics, and take back our own energy. You'll delve into the dynamics of vampire empath relationships and discover how vampires use others' energy to fuel their own dysfunctional lives. Once you recognize patterns of behavior that mark these relationships, you'll be empowered to identify vampires in your life as well. And she also has a new online course you can take and go even deeper into how to kind of dodge and deal with energy vampires. And there in the the, the e-course, and of course, you're going to get a free training when you buy her book um, on how to dodge energy vampires. She helps take your power, your health, and your life back from narcissists, psychopaths, and other cluster B people who may be draining your energy and your health. In six powerful jam-packed lessons, she breaks down the differences between empaths and energy vampires and teaches you how to identify and heal from the energy vampire relationships. Interviews with some of the top experts in the field, along with straightforward discussions and demonstrations of healing practices will help you quickly learn how to recognize and separate from people who are using your energy to fuel their dysfunctional lives. You'll get simple, clear techniques for healing wounds that keep you stuck in changing how you interact with the world. This course will help you heal both physically and mentally so you can live a healthier, happier, wealthier and more vibrant life than you've ever believed possible. So <clears throat> welcome, Dr. North. I'm so great to have you.
0: Oh, what a pleasure it is to be here with you, John. We go way back and your work has changed my life. So thank you. Cool.
1: Speaking of going way back, when I read your book,
0: <laughs> I was sort of struck by
1: one very interesting point that you mentioned in the very beginning, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. In her book, she tells a story about her older sister who was a world-class ski racer and how in her family, being a ski racer and being, an athlete, being a super athlete was like the thing to be and being a brilliant you know, medical student just wasn't as good. And it had a deep impact on you. So then right. fast forward how many years? I don't know, 40, 50, 40, years or something when we first met. Yeah. She and I'm wondering, Dr. Christiane brought her family to me. And I would in my first book, Body Mind Sport, I would talk about nose breathing and the benefits of nose breathing versus mouth breathing to be calm in the in the heat of battle in, in under stress. And and I taught her mom and Christiane. And I think was that the world class ski racer that came to? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was like, when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, that was more than just a quick nose-breathing class. Yes, that was. was a profound ex- experience bringing them, you bringing your athletic family to do something athletic that was sort of cutting edge, or maybe I thought cutting edge, but maybe a little weird for them. But tell me about that. What was that like for you? That was, I was like really struck by that.
0: It was life-changing for me. It turned out to be life changing for my mother, believe it or not, because what we'd all been taught and what struck me in your book, Body, Mind and Sport, is that our first experience of uh, low self-esteem and not measuring up for many takes place in middle school gym class, where because uh, kids' bodies are so different in middle school. So you'll have the wiry kid who can climb the rope You've got the kid who's accumulating the body fat, but is going to shoot up till six foot two in the next three years. But they're all grouped together. And the coaches in middle school sports typically are teaching you that they're the head and you're the body. Do what they tell you. So even today we have four girls in middle school. We've got soccer with the girls getting stress fractures. Uh, anorexia is rampant. There's all of this um, sports done where you cannot tune into your body. I remember my sister doing dry land training. They would know they were training at the right amount when she'd run up the back hill with a backpack full of rocks and would throw up at the end of the the training. And we still train athletes that way. It's the, I saw a t-shirt that some Marine was wearing once. It says, pain is weakness leaving the body. Now I was brought up in the, the motto was don't ask for a lighter pack, ask for a stronger back. So my, my childhood was keep going till you throw up. All right. I get on the treadmill with you and physiologically in the body, we, you know, you'd start off and then we would raise the incline and uh, you would understand that you didn't go any further than you could comfortably breathe through your nose. Now I later learned that when you're breathing through your mouth like you're you're and you're you're going so hard, you're running so hard you want to throw up, you are creating oxidative stress. You are creating a situation of immune dysfunction. You are becoming one of those athletes who dies at age 54 instead of this wonderful nitric oxide rich system that the body has where in during exercise you actually through the parasympathetic rest and restore system that is engaged with nose breathing you are actually creating a situation where you're creating health in your body you're creating more energy in your body and exercise becomes something that is enjoyable. Now the funny part is this is funny. So just before I had you on my radio show, you know, fast forward, I was out in the back uh nature preserve here trying to imitate my sister. Once again, running over roots I fell, I went sprawling. I realized I am not this athlete that I have tried to be my whole life. So then I realized you don't just get an app like My Fitness Pal and go as fast as you. I was back. I was still back trying to do the family legacy: no gain, no pain; no pain, no gain. And then I had you on my radio show and realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's go back on the spiral and realize that if you can't breathe through your nose, I was doing the peak eight workout on my elliptical trainer if you can't breathe comfortably through your nose, you are creating oxidative stress in your body. You are not creating health. And it was like a light bulb went on again in my life and I'm finally done. I'm finally done trying to be someone I am not and never was. And your work was the physiologic in the body confirmation of that body wisdom. And now if I go out for a walk or if I do a a fast burst, fast twitch muscle thing for 12 minutes or whatever, it's always enjoyable. It's always comfortable and it's a joy. It's like finally finding that and your work was a pivotal turning point in that. So thank you.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. You said something that you spend so much energy trying to be someone that you're not. That's it. And that, I think, is a great segue into your new work. Yes. How many of us and how much energy do we spend every single day trying to get everyone to like us, approve of us, appreciate us? And when you're an empath, right? And oh, oh. you're a sensitive person in an insensitive world, how do we navigate that?
0: Well, first of all, you, you need to understand as an empath, it's not just being empathetic. It is literally you feel what they, in many cases, are feeling but don't know it. You're taking on the negativity that's in the room and you are experiencing it as though it's you. So as a friend of mine, a very intuitive healer, she said, please be happy so I don't have to be miserable. So what we do, if you're a little sensitive child and you sense that your mother or your father is not happy, you're taking it on in your body. And this, is okay, this is the turning point. And you think that something is wrong with you. And you're doing, and then you, you do the thing that kids do. Something must be wrong with me that I'm feeling this bad. It isn't even your feelings, it's their feelings. So you're taking it on like a sponge, I call us empaths, we're like lint rollers for the negativity that's around us. And your job is to realize this has nothing to do with you. And more importantly, as I say later in the book, you're actually here as a light worker And I know that is a term, I mean, I once drove into Sedona for the very first time. I asked for directions and this guy with a shaved head who looked weird, he says, you're a light worker coming home, (laughs) aren't you? And I fell on the floor laughing. You know, it's like, are you kidding? No, okay, but light worker just means you are here to transform the darkness into light. Your energy literally works like an air purifier And once you know that, and once you know it is not your job to make mommy feel bad, it's not your job to make daddy feel bad, it's not your job to make your teacher feel better, it's not your job. Your job is to understand this has nothing to do with you. But everything about society makes you think it is your job. And then I want to talk about a very specific type of empath. And this is the work of Sandra Brown. Who wrote a book with an amazing title called Women Who Love Psychopaths. Uh, And and I once asked her, you know, don't you think that title is like a little bit over the top? She said, unfortunately, it is not. Mm -hmm. And she studied a subgroup of women, and there are men in this group too, so let me be clear, that have, and this this research has been done at Purdue on uh, standard psychological testing. We have what are called super traits of empathy, resourcefulness, resilience, loyalty, self-directedness, a belief that we really can't be harmed. She said as she was studying this, she noticed that many times women who are with batterers or are with men who are not so good, we think of them as relationship addicts, learned helplessness, all of this. She said, no, I found a whole subgroup, women who were federal judges, doctors, CEOs, lawyers. They were not codependent. They were not learned helplessness. They're the people with these super traits. We see the red flags, but because we're so resourceful and good in every other area of our life and work, we think we can heal these people. That is key. We think, oh, I see that this happened with all those other women he was with, but it won't happen with me. I'm different. Because everywhere else in your life, you are. You're a can-do person, you make it happen, you do it. And that's why there's so many amazing women with really bad men. (laughs) And we stay overly long because we see the red flags but we don't realize how harmful this can be to us. And so uh, many, many people, men and women stay overly long because what an energy vampire will do. I I like to say this, you haven't been chosen. You've been targeted because many times vampires are so charming. And uh, so George Simon, who, helped me with the research. He, he has a term, it's called charm alarm. And I was just with Alberto Villodo down mm-hmm. in, in Chile, it's Grow A New Body seminar, and he calls it charmelians. So there's a, a group of people who are, they're so charming and they're so charismatic and they take an empath and they have what I call malignant intuition. They'll find the one thing you have been longing to hear your whole life about how special you are, or how beautiful you are, or whatever. And they'll love bomb you for a certain amount of time until the hook is into you. And then they'll start to separate you from the the rest of the world. This is the standard way a batterer works. He takes a woman and then makes her her self-esteem so low that she becomes separated from her family, uh, that kind of thing. But once you see this, once you know this, then you've got a chance. And uh, when we were doing the write-ups for this, uh, my editor, Hay House, they go, well, you know, it's fighting energy vampires. It's like, oh, no, 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 you cannot fight them. They will go down fighting. They will do everything to win. You don't fight. You dodge, you evade, uh, but do not fight them. And that's why many times, if you're in court with them, Sandra Brown says this, and it's true, the universe, appears to be slightly tilted in their favor. The legal system, the medical profession, the child protective services, these people are master manipulators. So many times you learn, just walk away, just walk away because they're gonna win. And it's not fair, but there you have it.
1: The, um, you know, I I studied a lot of Vedic psychology and the, Uh the fundamental principle is the difference between doing you and doing them. Yeah. And when you're, when you're doing you, you're not in ever in fighting them. <clears throat> you know, we, one of the studies you said in your book that we, that ninety, I read, 95% of the things we think and say and do as adults come from the first six years of life. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and, and in those first six years of life, we're hardwired to want the approval of mom and dad because we want to yeah. feel safe. Because if we didn't yeah. have that need for their approval, we would have wandered in the jungle a long time ago, got eaten by lions and we wouldn't be here. So clearly, so clearly we want that approval. So we spend our childhood, we don't get what mom and dad delivered. Like we all never, the brain is never quite satisfied. And if you're an empath, you're really super sensitive. You have tons of radar. You know exactly how to get what you need from mom and dad. And that includes us creating a personality that, that makes us feel more safe and secure. And by making other people happy, oftentimes makes, makes us feel safe because you know, because they are not now if, if I can make them happy, then I feel safe and secure. But we don't realize when we grow up, and we, what you said made me think of that -- is that everybody is just trying to feel safe and secure and feel loved. These vampires are, you know, probably little kids, little roses that were trampled and eaten for millions of years, and the roses say, "Hey, guess what? What if we decide to grow some thorns?" they might stop trampling us. So these <laughs> vampires and roses and finally did get some thorns and they don't get trampled as much. But these vampires are just people who've grown thorns who are now aggressive and they're dangerous. And what they're projecting on the screen is those thorns and that dysfunctional behavior, because that's their dysfunctional way of them feeling safe and secure.
0: So well, we- I Well, I wanna stop you on that because yeah. this is what George Simon taught me. And it's yeah. huge we believe in psychology we believe that people are like they are because they were not seen in childhood the new data is that is not true many of them are born this way and if you've ever mm-hmm. talked to a family that has a uh, a character disordered child they will tell you this is the kid who killed the family kitten or uh, what sure. what he says is you look for whether they have a conscience by the age of three. And I think this is very, I mean, the people who are your audience and my audience, we're healers. We cannot believe that this is true. We cannot believe that there are people, we we think, because the, the hook for most of us empaths is a sob story. She won't let me see the children Um, I'm a widower and therefore, you know, and so they hook you with a sob story. This is what's interesting. And George Simon in his 25 years of studying character disorder, he said, think this, they are fighting, they are fighting passive aggressively. He said, think of a cat with a mouse, the way the cat gets all excited Is the cat in denial about a difficult childhood? No, the cat's kind of really interested in the fact it's playing this mouse and having fun with it. That is what we need to understand. And it is so difficult for us to understand that you can have 10 people with the same childhood and only one in five is going to come out with a character disorder. So we got to take a look at that. And we've got to, we need to take ourselves off the hook that if they just had enough of our love and attention, that childhood wound in them would change. The whole thing is they have to want to change. And usually they don't change because it's working for them. Think about it for every person who wakes up I mean, think about your friends and and as you're listening, everyone can start to, the names are going to start coming in. Think about the friend that's married five times, six times. They play the same game and as soon as one gets it and understands, oh my God, nothing's going to change, the next victim will arrive. Now, let me be clear. This is important. It doesn't mean you can't love these people. It means that you need to dance in your own dance space, because what is the most important thing you can do for them? Withdraw your energy so that they can finally develop character. They generally don't, although, and George Simon and Sandra Brown are in complete disagreement about this, by the way, and it's called, can they ever change? Will they ever change? Sandra Brown goes, It's so vanishingly rare, it's not worth talking about. George Simon says, because it's a spectrum, like autism, so some just have narcissistic traits, and then there's the full-on psychopaths. Harvey Weinstein, full-on psychopath, that's one in 25 people. But cluster B, energy vampires, is one in five, which means everyone who's listening to this has somebody in their family or in their greater social sphere who acts like this, disrupts every Thanksgiving, Um, no matter what you do, it's always the same. And the minute you start to wake up and withdraw your energy, they'll throw you a crumb. They'll throw you a crumb to suck you back in until you finally realize there is nothing you can do. The ball is in their court. As George Simon says, they have to want to change. How do you know? Contrition. They have true contrition. They're broken into a million pieces and they will do whatever it takes to show you that they're a different person. But that almost never happens, at least at this time in history, because, as I said, there's five or six empaths waiting to take your place. (laughs)
1: Let me ask you this. Yeah. These these vampires, they are broken, no doubt, for whatever reason. And and you talk about how we come into the world from from past, you know, from genetic impressions that are passed down. And that's That's very, very real. It's very real. So they are broken. And they project on the screen whatever they think will make them feel safe and secure in their own way. We, as empaths, are reacting to the version of them that isn't them. It's the protective armor of them. So, yes. we as impacts are reacting to them. We're doing them, which is a version of them that's not even them. It's the version of them that is fully broken. So, yes. we spend as empaths our, our energy trying to change, manipulate a version of them that they have no connection to because it's their armor. It's not who they are. They're, who they really are is way, way back in this protective shell. Nobody's ever seen it. Yeah. There is a, so, my, what I'm saying is that if we would just stop doing them completely yeah, and just do us, there was a study shown when, when, when two groups of people were giving uh, a gift to someone, one hedonistically with a little bit of a hope that they get something in return, right. and one called eudaimonically, where I give it to you, but I don't care if you love it. Sort of, I love you, Christiane, but it's no concern of yours. I don't right. care what you do with it. I'm loving you because I'm the sun. I shine. And I don't care if you kill my cattle or chop my trees down. I just shine. That's what I do. Right. And I don't care. When they gave eudaimonically, it literally changed the genetic code. When they gave hedonistically with a little hope that they liked it or it fit or the color was right, it didn't have that depth. So when we as empaths do us, first of all, we're free of them, which is the key of this, I think, yes. protective program. But yeah. also, there is that ability for them to be, to be, to interact with at a level of them that they may not even know exists. But when we actually are trying to manipulate their behavior with our mind thinking they will like this or this or this we get wrapped into their web and get eaten you know so quickly and so easily so so the the vedic perspective is to be use things like yoga breathing meditation to become more self-aware so you can watch how your mind engages in behavior based on wanting other people to like you or manipulating your environment so you feel somehow safe and secure and then take a risk to be free of that let the petals of your flower open so you can truly be the, the 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 nature that we are which is which because there's some good science to back up that we are more loving giving Joyful and kind and we do that without an expectation to get anything in return. We're free and Yes, I, I wonder how that would impact our energy vampires. That's my question.
0: Um, I Think the main thing is to take your energy away from What's going on with them? I think that for especially what I call old soul empaths. That's those of us who have been, we've been the ones, and and I know that some people relate to this, some won't. I relate. We're the ones who have come to the planet over and over and over and again. And we've been the outliers of our tribes. We have been the healers, the midwives, the uh, earth keepers. We've been the ones who've healed the tribe and then been pushed off the mountain, burned at the stake. We're the astrologers, the midwives, the herbalists. We're the ones that did not. We had different knowledge, kind of like uh, I just learned that the Dominicans still have an office of the Inquisition in Lima, Peru. To this day, there's still an office of the Inquisition. So the Inquisition came to South America. And the Spaniards gave the Bible to the head of the Incas, and they said, what is this? And the Spaniards said, it's the word of God. The Incas put it up to their ear and said, I don't hear anything, and threw down the Bible and then said to the Spaniards, well, when did God last talk to you? And the Spaniards go, 1,500 years ago. And the Inca guy goes, that's a lousy God. My God spoke to me this morning. It's a it's a we have on on planet Earth kind of a long history of, um, well, we could call it patriarchy. We could call it the dominator society, uh, that kind of thing. But the the old soul empath does what's called othering. If you're one down and you're in the servant class and you don't have what it takes to be power over. You learn very early on what it takes to fit in, what it takes to survive. You literally take yourself out of yourself and you're spending all this time on what do I need to do here to be safe, to be included. I mean, John, imagine me, I start in in my residency and it's back in the 70s and I see that the way babies are being born makes no sense to me. It's like, We are draping the woman like it's surgery. We're shaving all the pubic hair. We're putting betadine on there. Everyone is more concerned with the draping and the shaving and the betadine than with the woman in labor. Then the baby's born. They clamp the cord right away, taking away the life support system of the baby and then rush it to the nursery so it won't get cold. It's like, wait, no. Baby's supposed to be put on the mother. I mean, your basic dog at that time got way better prenatal care than the average woman. And I'm watching these women at Dartmouth and the baby's being taken away and every cell of the mother's body is going, what way, you know what, I just gave birth to this. So I'm seeing this is not being done in a way that makes any sense to me. And I have to figure out with a lot of othering How am I going to survive and get my board certification? I was on the cover of East West Journal back in the 80s with my with my oldest daughter. And I said to them, East West Journal was started by Michio Kushi and the macrobiotic thing. And then it became natural health. And I said. Do not put this picture on the cover until I have gone to Chicago and until. I have become board certified in OBGYN because otherwise the inquisitors of my profession will probably take me out. And then what I did is I called the food co-op and I said, when that issue of East West Journal comes in, please call me. And I went down and I bought all 10 copies so that no one in Portland, Maine, especially no one at Maine Medical Center, saw my picture on the cover of East West Journal because at that time, nobody believed that nutrition had anything to do with health. That was heresy. I'd go back to my residency director. I finally gave him a copy of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. He looks at me, he goes, whatever happened to you? You used to be one of our best residents. Now imagine, and then I'm taught, circumcision of baby boys, let's remove 40,000 nerve endings with no anesthesia. And I was told they can't feel it. And I knew they could feel it. So what do you do in that situation? You get very good at leaving your essential self in order to fit in and to survive. So therefore, I no longer care what's going on with the energy vampires? Because they got to figure it out for themselves. I've spent a lifetime donating bone marrow to those people so that they wouldn't kill me. I'm done. And when- So you, what you're
1: saying is, you know, the life that, you know, I'm every empath and for sure more than that have lived. And you, I know I have, you know, as a chiropractor teaching medical doctors, I mean, I've been you know, similar kind of in venues that I was criticized and still criticized for my website, ancient wisdom, modern science, you're the same. So many of us have done the same. How do you stop the game? You know, the game of trying to be something that you're not putting on all this armor and trying to get people to love and appreciate and prove you and think that your work is valuable. You obviously got to the point where you said, I don't care. I'm just going to do me. Oh,
0: well, okay. So let's be clear. Yeah. I've had uh, eight lawsuits. I lost my teaching position at the University of Vermont right after I wrote um, The Wisdom of Menopause.
1: Okay. Um,
0: and uh, I was just talking with Alberto Villodo down in Chile, the Four Winds Society, and he said that uh, he's lost all three of his teaching positions at universities. Let's be clear that the dominators who want to keep people stuck, really don't want to hear what's outside of the, in medicine, the drug and surgery, the big pharma, the big food, to keep people under this spell. So the only way to work with it, I mean, we're now, you and I, we have this kind of a platform. In the past, we didn't, so, Andy Weil years ago said to me, you can say almost anything you want as long as you're not angry. And I think that there's something to that. So and the other thing is this. I talk enough about astrology, divine love, um, soul depossession, enough stuff that is so weird to people. I think it protects me because they think, well, she's listen to her. She's a nutbag. And I think that's protection, actually. But I also know that this stuff goes on. It's like conspiracy theories and, you know, all of that stuff about the government hiding the UFOs and the deep state and all. I believe all that stuff is fundamentally true. I just don't want to feed it with my life force because what we pay attention to expands and so... I like to uh, I, I believe that in the quantum universe, if we create a field of thought and emotion that is an uplifted field, that if we bring our eighth chakra uh, halo down into our bodies, then we are uh, we are protected. But at this point. I've had, I could have called the book, by the way, Dodging Energy Vampires, an Autobiography. I could have called it that because it really is based on my my personal experience and then realizing how universal that was. So the job, I think, is to what you said, do us, just yeah. do us and but take, how? Your, I mean, take your mind off of them.
1: You know, thinking what you have gone through and... I mean, you're a leader of the pack. You're guiding so many, so many men and women, mostly women, I guess. But how to take off the armor and let something really beautiful and authentic come out? Because it's not because it's going to have a result. Because it's who we are. That's it. That's good. How do these? How do my listeners? What do they do? Because we all know that we've been trying. We've engaged in behavior to make other people like us. How do we stop the craziness? What's the first step?
0: Uh, I think the first step is to know that you do not. Okay. You know, the first step of the 12 step program. I kind of love it. Okay. We admitted we were powerless over fill in the blank. Step two came to believe a power greater than ourselves. I would call it that our higher self, our, you know, the part that's not necessarily in a body, but is always talking to us. Three yeah. turned our life over to that power. So I think we start there and 12 step programs are a great way to do it. Let's say that it's your sister-in-law or it's your husband or it's your, anyone else, maybe it's your mother or your father who's the energy vampire. You usually don't have to look very far. I mean, it's, it's not like the government is doing it to you. It's generally your own mother or your own husband or your own wife. So you've got to start there and everyone who recognizes that and then puts themselves first. Okay, so the first thing that's going to happen, and you need to know this, the first thing that's going to happen is the minute you put yourself and your needs first, your old life is going to start to go away. It's going to start to go away because the relationships that you've created around a lie, because here's what happens in every family, Whoever has the power and often the, 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 um, vampire has the power, has the money, has the whatever, has the influence. The minute you withdraw your attention, it's like the wagons get in a circle and they go to protect the vampire and you're the odd person out. So you've got to understand that there's a, you're going to be in the desert. You're going to be in the fertile void for a little bit of time where you're going to think you've wrecked your life. You're the only one who's ever been here. So it's like you are leaving one area and you're jumping and you can't see the trapeze yet and you can't see the rope. It's an enormous leap of faith. It's an enormous leap of faith. Uh, Joseph Campbell said it best. We must leave the life we had planned in order to have the life that is waiting for us. But it's a leap of faith and many people aren't gonna do it, but let me just say what I know from my practice, and you too, I think. All the people with the so-called mystery illnesses, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, autoimmune disease, Epstein-Barr, Sandra Brown says in her workshops for women who love psychopaths, 70% of the women have an autoimmune disease. Because living with these individuals creates cognitive dissonance. You believe that everyone is loving, that everyone has a good heart, but then your experience is, but they don't. They're going to throw you under the bus. And you keep thinking that your energy, your willingness, your love can heal them. The Mm -hmm. only place that families change, where we have the big reunion around the Thanksgiving table, is in the movies. (laughs) (laughs) so you gradually put yourself first then and you said this earlier when you can get to the point where you go home to thanksgiving or whatever it is and you don't you give of your light you give of your gifts and that's just who you are like the sun and it doesn't matter if they see you if they acknowledge you when you can get to that point which frankly, I think is close to sainthood, then you can go. But for a while, you've got to, you've got to stay away until you know how to do you. And empaths generally almost don't know how to do themselves. Carolyn Mace did a reading on me back in the 80s. She goes, you're a rescue addict. Do you hear me? Your heart has changed rhythm. You know, Carolyn, she's a triple sad. She's like, "Eh," the serrated knife, but she tells the truth. And so- you know, all I knew was that I was trying to save all my patients. What I didn't know until much more recently is that when I was five and my baby sister died, I left myself to try to heal my mother. I literally abandoned myself to try to heal my mother. And that's why when I first saw a baby born at Dartmouth Medical School, I nearly fell to the floor weeping. Wow. But I didn't know that. I knew that this made me cry. So I went into OBGYN so that I could save my mother and save my own baby self. And it led to a great career in OBGYN. But it was always all about me. <laughs> that's how it is.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. There's an old <clears throat> there's an old Vedic saying that says to the extent that something affects you is to the extent that it's your karma. <clears throat> karma means uh, action. So to the extent yeah. that something affects you is the extent yeah. that it is an opportunity for us to take transformational action step in our life. Clearly, you've got some, some amazing you know, experiences in your life that turned out to be pathways for transformational behavior. You know, we have rows in our brain, highways of neural pathways with lights on them and four lanes doing the same dumb thing again and again and again <laughs> because our brain is convinced that that's gonna make us feel safe and secure. Right. But what you're talking about is laying down new neural pavement, right? Pavement that is taking the risk to be you, taking the risk to be free, taking the risk to love fully because that's who you are and that's what you are in nature. But you you don't have an expectation to get anything in return because you're just letting yourself be you. And that action step is what we, in Ayurvedic psychology, the idea is that we would first become more aware of the behavior that is based on needing to be loved versus being loved. And then once you realize that, then you can take action to be love, not because they're going to love you back, or you're going to change them. In any anyway, there's a big wall there. I don't care what you do with this. I'm going to do me because I am an empath and I am fundamentally love, and I'm going to be that, as opposed to trying to trying to get love in my world to somehow make me feel safe. It doesn't work because the brain is never satisfied. So talk to me about the difference between, you know, needing love as an empath, you know, and sort of taking care of themselves first and then being love
0: and is that risky? Okay, my feeling is this, and I want all empaths to know that we carry an enormous amount of light. I believe that we come in carrying an enormous amount of light because we have been to the planet over and over and over and over again. So our very nature is Light. And so it's our job to just shine as the light we are. So that I'll tell you what that means. You get on the subway in New York City, your presence begins to heal all the people around you. So it's to begin to understand how powerful you are, how powerful that light is, not from an ego standpoint at all, but just knowing. That is who you are. You are an air purifier, pure and simple. Then we all need love. Now, typically, all of us, depending on our childhood, we're only going to be in, interested in the beginning of your journey. You're only going to be interested in the exact people who are like mom or dad, who couldn't love you. That we, want to, we only want to get love where love wasn't. So you're gonna have 10 people adoring you for who you really are. Who's the only one interested Interested to you? It's the person who can't really give you the love just like mom or dad until, until you can bring the love where it wasn't before. And that's the uh, the work of Mario Martinez who talks about all tribes wound their members in three archetypal ways, shame, betrayal, abandonment. And so we bring in the healing fields for those three archetypal wounds. I mean, and that's the medical profession, you know, wounding everyone who's not uh, towing the line. All right, so the healing field for shame is honor. The healing field for betrayal is loyalty. Uh, The healing field for abandonment is commitment. So you can heal that within yourself by when you're feeling ashamed, Think of all the times that you have acted in an honorable way, all the times you've been betrayed. Think of all the times when you have been loyal and when you've been abandoned, all the times that you have been there and committed. So you do the human homework of healing these wounds so that when the next vampire goes by, to tell you how incredible you are and all of that, you can sort of sit back and go, Yep, I know. I don't need it from you. When your next love bombed, when you when you know they just want something from you. Because I used to have my, you know, my little inner child, oh my God, they love me. And then you get down to the end of the email where, where they've told you all the things that are so special about yourself, and then it's like the shoe drops. Cause that's what they want from you. They're always asking for something. And for years and years, I think, Oh my God, you know, they're noticing me. They, they don't want to take away my license. So therefore let me give them what they want. Because I had a, you know, a real deficit when you're a pioneer like that, but also an empath and also really a kind of a love and light person. You're kind of living on crumbs. Uh, so it, it, it takes a while, but that's what the path of dharma is about, right? I mean, you and I now are at this point where you look at how things were in the 70s, 80s, 90s. I never thought my work would be accepted in my lifetime. The fact that it is is kind of a miracle to me. But now, okay, here's the other thing. As soon as you don't need it anymore, it shows up. <laughs> like, Isn't that just sure. the way, way it is? <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yep. Just to yeah. let you know that it really didn't matter. Everything you work so hard, all that approval you work so hard to get, didn't really matter. You know, there's four words in uh, in Ayurveda that defines this kind of Ayurvedic psychology piece, and it's <clears throat> established being perform action, meaning that we we do all these things to to pull back the bow and become. More still. And the the more still that we hold the arrow, the more transformational the flight of the arrow. And if we can establish being and become really clear about the difference between who we truly are, what we're truly about, and what we in the behaviors we engage in, and pull back the bow and establish being and then shoot the arrow from that place of peace and calm. It's exactly what you were saying to heal the wounds, is you must, if you were injured, you have to find out the you know, if you were, you know, find out the ways that you, you, you didn't, you were honest, or you were brave, or you were courageous, and you think about those. And the same way, going forward, can we also engage in transformational behaviors based on becoming aware? I'm afraid of my. I go home for the holidays and I start acting like a four-year-old again because my mom wants me to cook this way and do this and do that. How can I not let her behavior which she wants me to love her in a way that she wants me to love her? And I want and I'm reacting to that which is her wanting to be loved by me. And I've got this armor up, so she's not really getting love from me. She's getting my armor, which she doesn't really like. So she engages in behavior based on trying to manipulate me to love her more in a different way, which never really happens. So I then as the daughter of this situation could realize the truth is that. I totally get it, my mom's crazy. She just wants to be loved and appreciated. And my nature is love and I really do love her in certain ways, she's nuts in other ways. So how can I really express my truth in this relationship and not react to the darts and the arrows that she's throwing at me, let those go by and just take action based on pulling back the bow. And that's sort of the the Vedic psychology in a nutshell. Establish being, become truly aware, and then take action, lay down new neural pavement from that place of truth. Honor, peace, joy, love, compassion, oxytocin, you know, longer telomeres. All these things happen when we better microbes, when we actually give and love and act from that place. So the key is always the action step to change the neural patterns. So talk to me. I know you wrote about that a little bit in your book. Talk to me about how we can take it from being, you know, erasing the injury to actually taking the action to, to, um, to really become an empath, stay as an empath, but be truly established in your own being.
0: Okay. So there's a concept that I learned from Dr. Mario Martinez called milligrams of love, and I, I this is a fantastic concept. Okay. You go home for whatever to visit your sister, your brother doesn't matter, and you actually begin to time how long it takes for the person to begin to take the conversation into the negative. And that will tell you how many milligrams of love the person can take. Because as he points out, love, unconditional love is venom to a toxic person. So let's say that you go for a visit and maybe you got 30 minutes where the conversation is terrific. And then your mother starts to complain about What did you do to your hair? Have you gained a few pounds? Uh, Whatever it is. Okay, at that point, now this is crucial. You protect, you have to arise as the warrior who protects your own heart. And that's when you take your leave. Because when you stay there and you take it when it's, it's become toxic and they're attacking you, that's the problem. So you just say, I've got to go now. I've got to go now. And then what you're doing, you see, you're reinforcing by protecting yourself, you're showing them a new model. They begin to realize, uh, like a conditioned response for new neural pathways, boy, when I do this, she's going to leave. But the other thing that you do, let's say that you have a vampire in your family There's always some great things that you do together that you like to do together that work. Focus on those. So I have a friend whose father loves art museums, any kind of hiking, any kind of Sagittarian to boldly go where no one's gone before. So every time, if she wants to have a good visit, they schedule that, but there's another kind of visit staying over at his house that never works. So you take your own power to create reality and you say, let's do this instead of what we empaths have been trained to do, which is let's lie down and take it in the ear when they start in. Then nothing changes. So you do from action. You need to value yourself. You don't need to be angry. And it's never a good idea to take someone's inventory and point out all the things they're doing wrong. It just doesn't work. No. So you have I've to have to create your own sobriety. There's a thing in the 12-step program called the sober moment, a time when you acted really well, that's that uh, action, like staying in this good place of drawing the bow back from a good place, your sober moment, and you go from there. There's gonna be probably a lot of times when you cut your losses and you take your leave and say, gotta go. But over time, you can mold the relationship so that it serves you. Now, that's when it's a family member. If it is somebody uh, like an ex-spouse, there are many times when you just have to do no contact. And I think this is extraordinarily important. I have a lot of resources in the book for how you do No contact, and what you have to do so that you become far less interesting to them, you just become a gray rock. You just become a gray rock so that you're not. See, there's a concept that we didn't talk about yet called narcissistic supply. They are living on narcissistic supply. Talk about me good, talk about me bad, just talk about me. They'll do whatever it takes to get your energy, and 20 years later. They will still show up. They don't let go if you're giving them energy. So if
1: you're in a relationship, Mm -hmm. when do you know it's time to
0: leave? Okay, when no matter what you've done, and by the way, don't waste your time going to couples therapy with someone who doesn't understand these dynamics. Because a lot of uh, these energy vampires have had a lot of couch time in fact it's even worse if they've been to a therapist three or four times they're so smart and so manipulative they will use right. the jargon against you so you've got to go you've got to go to someone who understands the dynamic and luckily, we now are beginning to understand the dynamic twenty five years ago, George Simon said all the therapists left the room he'd begin to talk about this, and they couldn't deal with it but now now we know that you, if you get someone like that, then the therapist will say to the narcissist, this is what you have to do. And let's say, uh, this, this is uh, the one case I know where a person actually changed because he was on the narcissist spectrum low. He didn't, it's when they're threatened with loss, loss of money, loss of a house, loss of material goods, loss of a spouse then sometimes they change, but you have to, if you're going to leave, you got to just prepare to leave. And then you've got to take action to leave. You have to burn your bridges. It's the only way that they will ever change. And you've got to really, you've got to be prepared to leave and mean it. Nothing will change if they can still get you back by throwing you a crumb. And so the ball is in their court. And they'll wanna get back together with, let's talk it out, let's go to therapy. No, no, no. Here's what you remember. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And many of them are silver-tongued devils. Talk is cheap. What's the behavior? What do they do, not what do they say? And there's a big difference between regret, remorse, and contrition. They gotta get to contrition. This, what we're talking about here, is a character disorder. And so uh, George Simon says, this is the disorder of our time because we Why? have raised a generation where everybody got a trophy for showing up. So we've got all of these people who don't have any distress tolerance um, or we have people who feel, you know, if they're the golden boy of their parents and no matter what they did, they were celebrated. So they don't have character doing the right thing when nobody is looking. And so we need to hold up standards of character that we haven't held up. So if a kid is having a problem, the parent can't be always fixing the problem. The kid has to deal and learn from their own life that there are some tough choices. Get a little bark on that tree. Um, I remember when
1: my girlfriend dumped me in high school and I was really, really distraught. My mom came in my room. She said, what happened? I said, I was dumped. And she ended up going out with the quarterback of the football team. And my mom said, get a good night's sleep. And that was it. You know, and I was like, that's it. That's all I get. You know, now you go on Prozac for that and you go on a medication, you know, and and I was like, suck it up, John. That's how life is. You know, it's ups and downs, you know. No, no one's going to solve your problems but you. And I think that's you're so right about that. And it's a culture of, you know, and more than with, with social media, it's a culture of reward chemistry. And yes. we're so addicted to that yes. that we can't do us because we're constantly looking for ways to get some reward chemistry from the outside. And it's such a dangerous place. And, and I didn't ever connect that to these dysfunctional vampires, but you're absolutely right. They're the ones who are in desperately, desperately in need of constant attention.
0: That's it. That's it, and you know you know the work of Robert Luskin where he talks about the dopamine is the reward system in the brain, and we get it from fast food, and we get it from a like on Facebook, um, right. and we get it from all of that, but it is not sustainable. The only thing that creates sustainable happiness is serotonin, and that comes from face-to-face, eye-to-eye, true human contact. Right. And so that you know,
1: delivers oxytocin, the opposite yes. hormone, the one that yes. doesn't disappear the more you stimulate it, the more you make, the more you give, the more you love, the more you make. And yes. we, so we know all that science that says, yeah. And that's why I think it's so interesting to be, to be a sensitive person. I always say is the, most, is, is, is the greatest gift you could have. But learning how to be sensitive in an insensitive world is a trick. But if it you can be that sun and shine bright and not care if the flowers blossom or not and just and, and do that man you have the deepest level of contentment because you're content being yourself versus content that your husband is x y or z because he will never be the way we want them to be they're always going to be the minds always going to be you know wishing that it would change a little bit this way or that way and that's and that's i think where we all get stuck we get stuck on trying to manipulate our environment to get something to happen that we think is okay. And then we're good. And they're smart enough to give you a, you know, throw you a bone, but then whack you on the side of the head as you walk by.
0: That's exactly right. That's And the minute you understand it and you see it, then you have the keys to the kingdom and you're not going to go there anymore. And it's the most exhilarating thing to come through on the other side, see the way it works, understand how you got sucked in, and then just go around being the air purifier you are. And then of course, the other thing, like attracts like, and you'll begin to finally attract your real tribe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And now in your in your life, you're feeling, you're, you found your tribe and you're safe and you're feeling, you know, it's like it's a journey, right? And even like you said, just, just last time we spoke, you were still trying to be that athlete. It's, it's, it's driven in our, right? It's the it's game it of is life. So, it is so, play.
0: so, so funny to realize that I'm finally just now free of yeah. that, of that programming just now. And, and here's the other thing. And all of that early training In don't ask for a lighter pack, ask for a stronger back. Mm -hmm. I honor because it was exactly what I needed. It's the paradox of I wouldn't trade any of it. I wouldn't trade any of it. It was not wrong. It was not bad. It was what I, as a soul, required to do my dharma and to be where I am now, which is finally free, finally free.
1: In Ayurveda, they call these years when you're over sixty the wisdom years. Yeah. And if you in the middle life is changed the world, change try to change the yep. world, make it a better place, yep. and that's your fire change the world place. Then when you go into the wisdom years, you have a choice to be wise or dumb. And if you continue <laughs> trying to change the world in your wisdom <laughs> years, you're dumb. That's so true. So this true. is the time where where you obviously have got to the place where I don't need that anymore. I'm free. And and for you to. To share that wisdom and that freedom with so many is such a blessing to all of us. I really wanna, I want to thank you for, for the work because I, and as, as I was reading your book, I was like, "Wow, this is pervasive. this is you know there's like you said there's many levels of vampires. Yeah. But I thought vampire was a pretty strong word when I read the top when I read, read the title. you know I don't really have a lot of vampires around me. I mean I, I don't really have a social life I have my wife. We have six children, and right. we like hang out together, and that's right. it and so, right. um, <laughs> So I don't really have, I mean, I, I know that. I mean, maybe that's why I don't go out because I know the world's really, really, really dangerous. <laughs> right. So I stay and do my, my videos right here. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, um, in, in closing, and I want to thank you again for your time in closing, is there anything else you want to tell us, uh, you know, final thoughts about how to protect ourselves and heal ourselves from these energy vampires?
0: I think the time where we are right now Especially the sort of post Harvey Weinstein stuff. Yeah, It's like somebody came into the kitchen and turned on a light. and suddenly all the cockroaches scurry. And I don't know if you've ever lived in a place that had cockroaches, but I did in medical school, so I understood how they work. You turn on the light, they're all there.. <sharp inhale> okay, vampires cannot stand light. We know that from the uh, vampire it's interesting to me that we have all this vampire stuff, true blood in the media because it's real. And Mm -hmm. so when you're, we are now collectively shining a light on this behavior and the manipulation that has existed on planet earth for centuries is now coming to a close. We're at the Pluto return of the United States and a lot of the darkness is coming up, but As a trained surgeon, I can tell you that when you incise an abscess cavity, the pus comes out the top and the healing comes from the bottom up called granulation tissue. That's where we are. We've incised an abscess that's been controlling the feminine, the emotional body in men and women for centuries. Now it's finally being exposed. And I don't want people to worry. It always is darkest before dawn. And that's where we are. And the healing is coming from under the surface. And that's exciting to me.
1: Mm. Wow, you know, thank you so much. I think leaving us all on that note that you're exactly right. I mean, we have to first be aware of the problem before it can be fixed. That's how the body works. First, the body becomes aware of the problem and then it employs a healing response. And we're in the process of you know, really becoming aware of the problem in a major way. And here comes the healing response. And, and Dr. Northrup's new book, Dodging Energy Vampires is absolutely a, a must read to pave the way for that healing response. There's no question about it. Please check out her book at drnorthrop.com. Get, when you buy the book, you get a free video training series on how to dodge energy vampires. You don't want to miss this. This is like I said, this is a healing of our time and how, how prophetic you are to have this book right now at this time. Cause I know it takes a year and a half for a book to be written and a year and a half ago, the abscess was still there and nobody. Oh yeah. That.
0: Well, I wrote this in record time. I started in uh, April. I was done in November. It was almost like, Oh, for years, I've wanted to write a book quickly. You know, those doorstop yeah. books I've written there, you know, huge. No, this one just was like, boom, 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 boom. I wrote it really fast.
1: <laughs> wow. Well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyway, everyone, check her book out at drnorthup.com. Get the free training. And Christiane, it's such a pleasure to see you again. And such a great pleasure to talk to you. And again, thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you, John. Thanks.